It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye, baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hanniger. Swing, line, drive, this game is over! Goodbye, baseball! Mitch Hanniger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. This is a really good one we have today. We're going to hear from... Julio Rodriguez coming up in a few minutes, which is a really fun conversation. What a year he's having in the Mariners system. Also, Jason Churchill, Prospect Insider, is going to join us. We have a long and wide-ranging conversation that I think you'll like, too. So that comes up in a couple minutes as well. Mariners beat the Rangers in Game 1 here in Texas to start this long, long road trip Felix Hernandez on the mound we'll hear from him in just a moment get the thoughts from the skipper as well as we dive into the ball game last night and the game last night featured some pretty nifty defense the 0-2 pitch on the way fastball swing and a line drive diving catch D Gordon out in shallow right field holy smokes what a play by D Rugnet Odor hit a low flying missile Gordon out in shallow right field with a shift on, diving to his right, robbing Rudetto Dorr for the second out of the inning. He has been spectacular defensively again tonight. D. Gordon, what a play. Mariners would score two in the ninth, take the lead. The 1-2 pitch to Omar Narvaez. Seager takes off at first swing and a fly ball into shallow left field. That's going to drop in a base hit. Smith will score from third around to third. Goes Seager up with the ball is Santana, the shortstop, gets the throw to home where it's cut off by Kiner Falefa. Omar Narvaez with a single in the left field, drives in a run. Smith scoring easily from third. And the Mariners now lead the Rangers by a score of 5-3. to 5-3 three. Three would be the final. Mariners win game one. Felix in the ball game, five innings, five hits, three runs, a walk, Three strikeouts, a home run along the way. Pitched well. Here's what Felix said after the start. The body kind of respond, the arm responds from last start. Does it feel normal, like in routine now? Oh, yeah, it feels pretty good. I mean, I feel great. Very special for the heat here. It was like my body was making now. I was a grind the whole game. I mean, I was behind all those guys, like every single bat. But I was able to come back and make good pitches and get them out. Those things you need to fight through when you're coming back from what you had. Here. I mean, I don't know if it was like, I don't know if it was, I was fighting with the weather, I was fighting with myself, I was trying to be calm in my mouth. It was a, a lot of things going on to my mind, and like I said, I just went there, make it to five innings, five and dive, and then we win the game. You said that this is your last start at this ballpark? Yeah, I heard about it. It's going to be a new one next year. It's going to be better because it's going to be good roof, and then you can, you know, you can wear your long sleeve like I used to. It's my first time in my career. I don't wear anything down my jersey. 
fourth inning, obviously huge. Bases loaded, no outs. You're thinking double play, sure, but uh, were you thinking triple play? Oh, I was so close. I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that was close. That was good, I figured. That was a good play. And then when the game was, you know, tying, to go out and have a one, two, three, fifth, how, how big was that for you and the team? That was good. It was good to go out there and just throw another inning and give the team a chance to win. Did Feltre gone? Did uh, Elvis Andrews uh, take over giving you the business from the dugout? Uh, no, it's different. It's a little different. <laughs> between me and Belcher, it's different than me, between me and Elvis. I mean, he was thanks for stopping the dugout. He's the other two, so he always did. Did you miss Beltre? Always. Felix, <laughs> everything that you've gone through this season coming back, uh, what, what would it mean to you to finish the season strong? I mean, do you have any goals in mind when you think about like the last month of the season? Yeah, my goal is just to finish strong. If I want to play baseball next year, if you're, you know, if I'm healthy and I pitch good, I think I get a chance to. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be here or somewhere else. How different do you feel right now than you did earlier in the season? I mean, it's different. You're going through some. I mean, at the beginning, I was, you know, strong. Now I'm just like a fight every day. So, but you got to do everything you can do to be out there and every Friday. So there's Felix. Why don't we get these take from the skipper, Scott Service? Uh, you have tied a ninth. Being able to manufacture those runs, just an example of, you know, scoring different ways, using your speed, getting D in, and getting Malik's in without. Just the one hit. Yeah, we, we played a, a good inning, you know, yeah. starting with D. Gordon leading off and stolen base. Uh, you know, Malik's had a really good at bat. Um, you know, the sacrifice bunt to get it down, we can get the sacrifice flies. A really, really good inning as a team there, and that's what you got to do late in games. And nice see JP get the bunt down, and do those type of things because that's what we need to do to, to win these type of ball games. Yeah, McGill getting the two out to save for you. Yeah, for a win. he had a little rest. He was about yeah. our most rested guy down there. We didn't use him in the Yankee series, so uh, nice to be able to get two innings out of him tonight. Uh, gives us a little break on some of the guys down there. But the bullpen was outstanding tonight. Really, really good. Uh, you know, puts a bunch of zeros up there, and you know, Felix did, did enough to get through five, which we really needed it tonight uh, because we did not have a length guy and really needed him to get there, and he did it. You think that he looked stuff wise from that first start in Toronto? You're talking about Felix? Felix. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I, I thought he, he got through it. I don't think it was as sharp as we've seen him, uh, you know, in recent times. But uh, the curveball was just okay tonight. That's usually the pitch he leans on heavily. Um, so I was able to get through it. I thought the fourth inning was going to be critical. The bases loaded, nobody out. Uh, we almost got the triple play, but we get a double play out of it. And that really kind of turned the game back in his favor. And a one, two, three, fifth was, was key as well. He's been putting in some tremendous defensive plays since he's been bad. What was that? Oh, it's it's huge for our pitching, obviously. Uh, you know, D's got a lot of range. He anticipates very well uh, where the ball's going to be hit. And he's got a he's got a way. He flops around a lot. It's amazing uh, <laughs> out there. He's always on the ground. But end of the day, he, he's making the plays, and, and we need him. Those are big outs. What would it mean for Felix to end this season on a he's got 55 starts left to just end the season on a on a positive note? What would it mean to him? Oh, to, oh it'd be huge, huge for him. And, and uh, yeah, he's an unbelievable career. And, uh, great Mariner uh, for for a long, long time. I certainly uh, we're pulling for him. Uh, he'll continue to pitch, you know, every fifth fifth day. Get out there and, and uh, hopefully he continues to get better as we go along. He was out a long time, so not expecting him to come back and be in top form. 
but you know, again, he did exactly what we needed tonight. Give us five innings and give us a chance to win. This guy, you don't bunt a lot, but when you do, you expect it to kind of get down. And JP is a guy that could be in that situation in the future. I mean, we talk about development, but these kind of plays are important as well. Aren't Absolutely, uh, you, you got to understand you know, game situations and be able to execute. JP is a very good punter. Um, he's got it down a couple times in that sack situation. That's what you got to do. You know, you keep the mind, line moving and, and uh, you get the next guy up. Uh, a big, big at bat. I was really happy with Austin Nolan's at bat. Really professional at bat. Um, he's been struggling a little bit. He's had some pitches to hit. He's been fouling them off. And you know the Yankees pitched him really tough. Um, but he didn't let any of that bother him. And that's why we bunted. He's got a really good approach. He stayed with it. Got a good result. Good result there, and good result for the game as the Mariners win. Now tonight, series continues. Five oh five. Marco takes the mound. Tries to continue his role. He's been in a nice groove. Saturday, five oh five opener. Then Malone, and then Sunday, uh, noon start. Kikuchi will take the ball on Sunday against the Rangers. As the Mariners look for a series win to close out this ballpark for the final time. Right now, I had a chance to catch up with Julio Rodriguez, get his thoughts on how this season has gone. Well, Julio, it is great to talk to you. It has been so fun watching your season from afar. How has this year gone for you? Uh, it's been it's been going great, to be honest. Like, really good year, you know, overcoming, like, a lot of, like, rough times. Like, it's been really good. I imagine one of those rough times was getting hit by the pitch and having to miss a few weeks. How difficult was that? Uh, that was kind of like hard, you know, because I was doing really good at that point of the season, and so I had I had to go to Arizona because of that. I I missed like almost two months with it, so it was kind of tough. But thank God I had uh, I overcome that. It was it was really really tough. Did you learn anything about yourself during that time? Uh, I learned a lot about mental stuff, like, mm. uh, like about the game, but all the mental part because there, there was nothing like I could do like in that moment. Now, you were just promoted to Modesto a handful of days ago, and from the looks of things, it's gone pretty well. How has the transition been? Uh, so, as you can tell, like, it's been really good, you know, because all the work that I have been putting on, like now you can see like all the rewards of all that. So it's been really, really good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the numbers are pretty amazing, especially considering, I mean, this is your first year in pro ball in the United States. Have you been even surprising yourself at what you've been able to do this year? Uh, to be honest, I expect all that others because, you know, I've been working for it. So I'll be inspecting all this. What are your goals the rest of the year? Um, my goals are kind of secret, you know. If you talk to me like after 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 the season, I, I will tell you. Uh, I reach out my goals or uh, look, I miss this one or the other one, but we can talk about that after the season. That sounds good. I, that's fine. Yeah, the, the the main thing right now is just stay healthy and keep keep like supporting my team. Yeah. For people that have never seen you play, how would you describe yourself as a player? I I just enjoy the game the most the most as I can. Like I was enjoying the game, like having fun, like rooting for rooting for my friends, like on the team, like just a passionate passionate guy for the game. That's how I describe myself. We're visiting with Julio Rodriguez, Mariners prospect, and you talked about your teammates several times. Who are some of the people that you've been really impressed with? Some of your teammates that you've played with this year? 
So this year, I can tell that Jason Arias, he's a, he was with me like in West Virginia Power. He just got promoted to. I've been so impressed with him. Like he's a pitcher. He has been doing like really, really good this season, and it's so exciting to watch him play. Like, like that guy. There's a there's a couple more that I've been doing like really, really good this season. At this point, when you look at what you've done this year and where you want to go, what areas do you think you need to improve on moving forward? So right now, I've been putting like work on it, but I feel like my my discipline, like mm. like my like ah uh, my song, like. To swing like good, I was good pitches. That that's a main thing that I've been like improving and trying to improve like every single time. But I feel that and my speed. Like I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of on. Like the people don't think I can run like really, really good like I, how I do right now because like sometimes I just don't roll, don't don't go like steel bases. Hmm. But I feel like I can improve my my speed too, like to show them that I can really run. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, how much have you yeah. learned? How much have you learned being in the Mariners system? A lot, to be honest. A lot about the game, like how to be like a man of characters. So a lot, a lot. They have taught me like a lot of stuff, like for my life and for the game. At what age did you know that this is a possibility that you could be a professional baseball player and someday make it to the major leagues? To be honest, almost like around. 15 was when I realized how that I had some serious talent that I could like I could make it to the big leagues. So around when I was like 15. And how excited were you to sign with the Mariners? I was so excited. Like this this was one of like my top priorities. Like team to sign. Like I really liked the Mariners before I signed. And when, when I just found when I found out I was going to sign with the Mariners, I was so excited to be honest with you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. When you were younger, who helped you? Who helped mold you into the player you are? Uh, to be honest, my father. Mm. He was. He literally taught me everything, like baseball, my life. Do you get a chance to talk to him very often during the course of the season? Yeah, I was talking to him like always, always, every single day, like after the game, uh, like in the morning, like always, we always talking, you know. Yeah. Well, he's got to be really excited about what you've been able to do this year as well. It's been quite a year. It's been a great start in Modesto, and it's been really fun to watch. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And now the great Jason Churchill. Well, Jason, it's great to catch up. It's even better to catch up in person. It's great to see you. It Thanks is. for coming I, by. I've never been here like this. Like I've never been this close with this particular view. This is great. Thanks for this, having me. It's really great to see you. I always love talking to you, and this is going to be fun, too. Uh, so I want let's start big picture, and let's start system wide. Just your overall general impressions, and how this season has gone in context with the plan. I think it's gone to plan. I think that's the key here. I think I think nothing that's really happened in front of us is really all that unexpected. I, I would it'd be interesting to hear Jerry Depoto's you know take on that particular question. Does, does this look like exactly what you imagined it would look like at this particular point? I mean, we're just about through year one mm -hmm. of the rebuild. And while they don't plan on the long six, seven, eight year kind of old school Astros style rebuild are they where they are i can't imagine them being in a better spot right now if you'd ask me this over the off season what's it going to look like about august or september not this far when you look at the system and you do look at the system all the time 
what do you point at like, yes, yes, what are the, the big bright spots that really stand out? Aside from player performance, uh, the, the thing that I'm impressed about most is y- you look at, at the players that they've decided to promote during the middle of the season. Mm. How have those players reacted? We're mm. talking about uh, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez the last week or two, Logan Gilbert a couple of times, and obviously Kelnick now twice, um, Cal Raleigh, uh, obviously. How are those guys responding? Because that tells me that this organization, they're all responding very well. Some of them are statistically, it's obvious. Some of them, the numbers aren't necessarily there, but clearly they belong where they are. That tells me that this organization knows what they're doing in terms of player development, mm. because there was a gap there for quite a long time. And clearly they're in sync right now. And I think the most impressive thing to me is when players are moved up, how do they respond? Because the club has to judge that. There are individuals, groups of individuals that have to judge that, and it's all gone very, very well. The, the Justice Sheffield situation where they actually moved him down, mm-hmm. I, I, I get the feeling they didn't really want to do that, and one of the big reasons why they did do that was because the environment in Tacoma was bad. But the fact that they did that, even though you never really want to demote a player like right. that, tells me they have a clue and that they, they're looking at this individual as well as they're looking at the team, and they're not just leaving these guys out to dry, and we've seen that in the past. Especially in the PCL in this environment, you probably oh. have to be kind of careful with some of your pitching prospects, I'm ninth right? in home runs in the PCL, <laughs> yeah, Gary. I know. <laughs> I know. The numbers are unbelievable. No, you're right. Uh, you bring up a great point, too, about systems, and the systems that really get it going, it's not just signing uh, international great players or drafting great players. It's also... It's the combo. You have to develop your players as well, no matter how talented they are. And, and, and those two departments, like I was just alluding to, they have to match up. Like, you have to know your strengths in those mm. areas. If you have weaknesses, which, you know, every, you know, at least on a sliding scale, there's some weaknesses. What are you best at? And if you have the opportunity to take a George Kirby in round one at what, number 20, does that match up with what we're good at? Or do we have a little bit of a gap there where it would make more sense to actually take another player? We always hear this best player available, best mm-hmm, player available. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of gone away anyway because of the way the draft works sure. these days with the the bonus pools. But if you can match up your, your player development staff with players that fit what you're good at, you're going to have success. That's just the way it works. Yeah. One plus one is always two. It's <laughs> never three. It's never zero. It's never one. It's always two. So uh, very impressive what Jerry's done here. I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of folks outside the Mariners organization that for years have looked in on this organization and always shaken their head, and they always tell me, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work, and they've been right until now. Mm. Now I get to tell them, you know what? You were wrong. You were wrong because at the very least, Jerry has got this organization where they are right now. While the wins haven't come at the big league level just yet, everything that serves as a foundation for that has worked so far. We've had fun watching Arkansas in particular from afar. What is your impression of that team? It's absurd to see that. I've never seen anything like it at any point. The last month or so, there's been 14 to, I think, 17 of my top 40 uh-huh. on one roster. <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely incredible. And, and, and we were talking about this a little earlier. The guys there that aren't necessarily considered prospects, or at least that I don't have ranked, and there's tons of talent in this organization. It, it's ridiculous. The, the Kyle Wilcoxes of the world, those guys are performing. Like, he gets called up last week and has 10 strikeouts in his first four innings. Like, they know what they're doing. Like, that, that particular team and the organization know how to put together a winner and a place where players can develop, and just to watch that team perform. Even the guys outside of Kelnick and Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield while he was there are performing at a very – you think about a guy like Donnie Walton. 
And like, yeah. he's had a great year, and it's I, I can't squeeze him into my my rankings because he's 26 years old. But when you look at that team and they're going to the playoffs, I'd be floored if they didn't win the whole thing down there. It's by far the most talented minor league team I've seen in the 16, 17 years I've been doing this. The only thing that comes close is the old uh, 03 uh, San Antonio team that had the Blackleys and oh, Jose yeah. Lopez and Justin Leone and Clinton Najat yeah, and those Najat, guys. Yeah. That's the only thing that comes close, and they end up winning the Texas League Championship. I'd be really surprised if Arkansas didn't win it. Nice. Even, even if they get some of their guys robbed early in the process. I don't know how Jerry plans on doing that. The regular season ends you know, the next Monday, and then the playoffs start. There's some guys that are going to be coming up here. Right. When that happens, I don't know, but you could take – five or six of the top guys off that roster yeah. and it's still the best team in the league so let's talk about a couple of the big names uh jared kelnick what's been your impression of his season i don't think anything phases that guy yeah and i don't think anything gets by him either i, I was down there about a month ago he never takes his eyes off the field so if if you asked him at any point what's the situation right now he's like second and third one out to two one it seems like he understands and knows everything that's going on in front of him i i saw him from the on deck circle telling the umpire what to do at, at times. I mean, it, was, it was like crazy. He's, he's into the game, clearly understands the game. He's obviously – he's moved a little faster than I thought. I thought he'd get sure. to Modesto, finish the year there this year, and he's more than handled himself in the Texas League. He could probably play out in the middle of the field, out in the center field, probably long term. They may have a scenario here if a Jake Fraley or a Braden Bishop mm-hmm. ends up being the guy, at least offensively, their defense certainly fits out in center field where Kellen can play left or right. I don't think there's anything he can't do on the baseball field. He can run. We've seen him, I think he's 19 to 26 in stolen bases. First pro season. I mean, it's I know. ridiculous. It's hard to, to believe. See. And he's made adjustments. He didn't look good the four days that I saw him down in Modesto. It didn't look good. And I wasn't sure if maybe he wasn't healthy, wasn't feeling well. It was just one of those things where, mm-hmm. you know, it's 14, 16 at bats where. A player's going to struggle. I mean, even Mike Trout struggles for a week or so. And then all of a sudden he gets called up, and I'm like, whoa, was he really ready for that? And then, you know, just right immediately he was a completely different guy, went back to what he was when he first got to Modesto. Um, There's a lot to like there. And and generally when a kid is 20 years old, no matter where he is in the system, there's still a lot of questions as to whether he's going to make the adjustment, what's going to happen at the big league level when he faces guys that are always throwing 95 with with two off-speed pitches that command the two off-speed pitches. He's not seeing a lot of great change-ups right now. He'll see that at the big league level. He'll see more lefties at the big league level. There's, uh, I, I'd be an idiot sit here and say, yeah, there's still questions about. J- he's a big leaguer. He's a big leaguer, and he's an everyday big leaguer. And we're really close to saying the same thing about Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, it seems like he's generating, especially the last couple of weeks with the way he started Modesto. He's generating a lot of buzz right now. I don't think anything phases that kid either. Yeah. I mean, 18 years old won't be 19 until what December 29. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. And and to do what he's done to think of his path, Gary. Coming from the Dominican Republic, playing a year in the Dominican Summer League, coming right over and playing full season ball, that doesn't happen all that much. Yeah. We haven't seen a kid do that for Seattle and actually have any level of success in a while on the mound or anywhere else. Um, and to see him adjust and go to, go to Modesto and perform better than he did, even at West Virginia, moving up a level, I don't think anything phases him either. But, you know, there's a culture difference that, that yeah. he has to tackle. I'm not sure where he is on that, but he's doing interviews in English. Yeah. There's no problems tackling I talked to him a few right. days ago. It was great. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's remarkable what he's done. I think the most important thing about Julio Rodriguez here is what happens in the future with – their Latin American scouting department and Mm. and how they develop players over there. I think Julio Rodriguez is a little bit of a a trailblazer. Not that he's the first to do it, but he's the first in a while, and he's really setting up that that scenario, that picture to look really good moving forward. Now, Elvi Marte might be the next guy. Right. Um, But every guy they sign, you start thinking, well, look what Julio Rodriguez did. Look what Noel V. Marte is doing. And that's also going to resonate with kids that are looking to sign with clubs 
uh, in Latin America during the summer. I, what Julio Rodriguez is doing might be the most important thing that's happening right now in the minor leagues for the Seattle Mariners. Tell us about Marte because he's a name that I'm not sure all Mariners fans know mm-hmm. now, but in the near future, right. if not now, we'll know. Uh, just 17 years old. I've actually seen him live. I, I know a scout down there that sent me some video here and there, and he, he's always asking me about him. And what's funny, he's always says, have you seen this kid yet? No, I, I'm thousands of miles away. <laughs> I'm probably not making that road trip in the Outlander at this point. <laughs> um, but plays shortstop. He's a 65-70 runner, showing some good power down there. He's had some problems, you know, uh, defensively a little bit here and there. He's made 30 years. I think he made 30 years uh, during the season. But that happens a lot. You look back at Derek Jeter's first year in rookie ball, I think he made 56 errors in like 70 games. So that happens with shortstop. It's a very demanding position like catcher. Uh, so there's still time for him to figure that out. But he's got arm, feet, speed. Looks like he's going to hit for power. Maybe he moves to second. Maybe he moves to third. Maybe he moves to center field at some point. And they keep him in the middle of the field because the bat's probably going to play. Now we know a lot of the big names. Are there names that – maybe are a little under the radar that that you've been watching closely that you think can make an impact at this level? I, I like a kid at West Virginia that really just popped up late this year, uh, Josias De Los Santos. Oh. 6'1", 6'2", 180 pounds, 90 to 94, throws the breaking ball for strikes. We've seen him throw the changeup quite a bit. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Marte's uh, teammate down in the Dominican Summer League is a kid I like quite a bit that I hear good things about. He's only 5'8", about 160 pounds. Uh, Jonathan Classe plays center field, leads off. Uh, really good plate discipline, swings at strikes, doesn't chase a whole lot, and he's shown a little bit of pop down there too. So those are two kids to keep an eye on that are going to either – they're either in the bottom of the top 40 now or they're going to hit the top 40 and we're going to start hearing more about mm-hmm. them you know, as they move up in the States or in Classe's uh, situation, moves to the States and starts playing either down at rookie ball or maybe he makes the West Virginia jump as well. Now you've referenced your top 40 a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell me about your process. This seems incredibly difficult, considering how many players, different levels, different systems, different ages, different backgrounds. There's a lot of factors, I feel like, that you have to balance to put one of those It's a process where I'm at home in my home office, and my wife always pops the door open and says, are you done yet? And I say no about 30 times. Um, I probably pour... 20 to 30 hours into each of the monthly updates during the season uh-huh. and then the off-season one i use all of that i have everything in, a, in spreadsheets and i make notes on a legal pad um and then i just start talking to people mm-hmm. have you seen this guy have you seen this guy what'd you think what'd you see here's what i saw hey i haven't seen him do you have video and then i'll send video i think the off-season one probably takes me a work week wow. to, to put together but it's a lot of i prefer upside so when it comes to like for example at this point, with the, the, the organization where it is, with the talent that's here now, mm-hmm. you're never going to see a guy that I think is a reliever that doesn't really have much chance to start anywhere near the top 10 or 15. Mm-hmm. Like, somewhere between 16 to 20 is probably going to be the lowest. It's like Aaron Fletcher right now is my highest-rated reliever in the, in the organization. And I think he's 17 or 18. That's about as high as you're going to see in this quality mm-hmm. of, a, of a farm system right now. Because I like upside. It's easy to go get an Aaron Fletcher, relatively speaking. Right. It's hard to go get what Kyle Lewis might turn into be, sure. even though there's still lots of questions about what Kyle Lewis is actually going to be. And if he can do it at the major league level, it can make contact. Will the power show up? Same thing with Evan White. Is he going to be able to hit for the similar power that he's hitting in the Texas League at the big league up? So I'm looking for upside more than anything. So if there's anything tiebreaker-ish, I'm like, which guy has the biggest upside? And I'm taking that guy and I'm ranking him higher. But it's a tough process. I, I generally want to make sure I have all the names in place first so I don't forget mm-hmm. anybody because I've done that. And then go, wait, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I forgot. And it's probably been years now, but I'll forget about a guy. Um, 
and, and certainly don't want to do that. And I think it was a guy in the top 10 at the time that I just assumed Whoops. was there. But that happened. So I got to get the names in order and then just start uh, calling around. I usually break it down by tool and then look at the overall tool set, give them kind of initial kind of an initial, uh, you know, future value kind of mm -hmm. set and say, oh, he's a 50 player, an average player, he's above average, and then just start making all those calls and trying to, to even that out. And, and it's not as easy as going, okay, the guy with the highest future value is going to be number one because that's not necessarily how it works. Right. Uh, you know, there's right. a little zigzagging, you know, yeah. to some extent because the risk comes into play as well. If you're telling me this is a kid who's had an injury history, different story. I got to move him down a little bit because now I'm worried. Art Warren didn't make my top 40 because there's an injury history there. Mm -hmm. If there was no injury history, he'd be in the big leagues already. But if he was still a prospect, he'd have landed in the top 40. So there's a lot of things that come into play, and it does take a long time. But to be honest with you, I do it for me. People think, hey, thanks for doing this. I did this for me, man. <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoy doing it. It helps keep me um, informed on all these players and making sure that even the little things that I can keep in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm getting old, Gary. You know, I, <laughs> I got to know how you old. You look great, though. I got to oh, thank you. I, I got to know how old Marte is and when he turns 18. And uh -huh. I got to know how old uh, Julio Rodriguez is and when he turns 19. I got to know these things that, that Kelnick turned 20. Little things like where is he from? Where did he get picked in the draft? And, and gathering the names, all the bio information's right there, too. So I kind of do it for me. Um, so that really helps that I enjoy doing it. I don't feel like it's work, but it, it, it's it's definitely uh we'll call it a gig instead of a job nice like yeah. well do you have a, you've been doing this for a long time do you have a favorite hit a favorite miss when you think about uh all this uh, time doing it a favorite miss <laughs> i don't <laughs> know it, if that's, maybe that's not the right, right, right. word for it i feel you know it happens back, right this isn't an exact science it, it does it absolutely does um it, I think one that I missed, I fell for Brian LaHare's tear in AAA one ah, year at about 06, 07. He was an all-star, though. He absolutely <laughs> tore it up, and I'm thinking he's found something, and he's not swinging through fastballs. Uh -huh. uh, he's hitting the ball the other way, and he's good enough at first base. I fell for it. I put him in my top ten, and then whoosh, he just went right down the hole, and that was it. He did make a See? little bit of a major league impact yeah. at some point, but – yeah, that's certainly a miss. Uh, there's, there's certainly misses every year. And a lot of times the miss is I had this guy over this guy. Like right now people ask, I don't understand. You have Evan White, you know, ranked 14th, and you have Kyle Lewis ranked several spots ahead of him. Why? Mm. Well, sometimes there's not much difference between 14 and 7. Sure. And I think that's where we are right now. There's Probably not, depends on the system and the year it, and everything else. It, yeah. it does. And, and you know, you could tell me, hey, I would have put, you know, Evan White 7th, and I wouldn't really argue with you all that long. Mm. I might tweet at you and say you're wrong, but that's about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and why? But it, it's – there's and right now, with the system being as deep as it is – you could probably go as deep as 20, 21, 22 and say this guy might belong in the top 10 or 12 mm -hmm. instead of where you have him, right? That's a realistic thing. So there are lots of misses like that every year. You're never going to get it exactly right. Like right now, people are asking me, you have Julio Rodriguez behind Kelnick and Logan Gilbert? Yeah, I do. Because right now there are still at least one or two questions. We need to see Rodriguez move to double A sure. to hit upper level pitching. There's still some things he hasn't done yet. Logan Gilbert, big leaguer. No question about it. And he's a big league starter. There's going to be absolutely zero reason for Logan Gilbert to pitch in relief until he's 40 years old and is only throwing 87 <laughs> miles an hour. There's going to be no reason. He's got four pitches. We're seeing three of them every night. Two of them are usually pretty good, if not plus, at that point. He's mixing in the changeups. He's got both curveball and slider. He's a big guy. There may even be more velocity. He's 92 to 95. There may be more velocity there. He may end up getting to the big leagues in a year or so and sitting 94, 96. We know he's a big kid. There's still some things to do that. So I'm convinced that Gilbert – 
lacks the risk that Rodriguez has, mm. and their upsides are fairly similar. So I have Gilbert two and Rodriguez three. But you know, in two years, you might say, yeah, Rodriguez is already here, and Gilbert's back in AAA. What an idiot you are! It's entirely possible. It probably will happen. What do you think Gilbert's upside is? How do you classify that when you go when you go through it? Uh, I I look at I first start with the pitches that he has and, uh-huh. and delivering things like that, kind of the scouting report, but. Um, and then I kind of compare it to what we're seeing at the big league level at this point. If a kid is down in the minors and he's 95 plus, and he had, I'm big on fastball value. I don't hear that a lot, but I'm big on fastball value. If you're a junk baller, even though you throw 94, that tells me you can't command your 94 mm. or it's flat or whatever it is. You don't get sink, there's no mm. tail, no movement, whatever it is. Um, but if you have fastball value and you have velocity and that's part of it, it's easy to go, oh, yeah, okay, best case scenario long term, everything works out perfectly. Logan Gilbert is Justin Verlander, and that's a little bit of a dream. But then I can say, okay, what's most likely? Well, he's probably most likely 92 to 95 with two average breaking balls mm-hmm. and an average changeup. That's probably most likely. Well, what does that look like if I start comparing that to current big leaguers? And he probably fits somewhere between a number two and a number three. I think he's a kid who has number two upside, um, but he probably fits nicely as a number three. We could say the same thing about George Kirby, but both of those guys have the opportunity to get to that number two, maybe even the number one level. I mean, you look back a couple of years, who thought Jacob DeGrom was going to be where yeah, he is now? Who point. thought player development is so different now than it was 10 or 15 years ago? You get to 24, 25 years old, and a lot of times 10, 15 years ago it was, well, it kind of is what he is because that was the case. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, and the Cleveland Indians are probably the best example Yes. Of this, no, that's not it. We can do something. And I think most clubs, including Seattle, are adopting that philosophy. We can get a guy, make a tweak or two, add a pitch, change a grip, tweak the mechanics, and change, completely change his profile. And we could see that with a guy like Logan Gilbert. We can see that with Justice Sheffield. He struggled a little bit at the big league level, but we've seen what he can do. We've seen the pitches he has. There could be a tweak they make over the offseason, and all of a sudden he comes back next year and he's a different guy. That happens every single year in Major League Baseball. So it, you, you kind of work from the top down. Mm-hmm. And it, while I think number one is a little bit of a dream, just because it would really be for anybody, right. um, you know, for the most part, and we're talking about Casey Mize, some of the other top guys in, in minor league baseball right now. A little easier to throw it on some guys than others, but if you told me in a year Gilbert's going to be sitting 94 to 96, I'm not ruling out number one starter. So, and that's absolutely possible because he's big, repeats his delivery, already shown that arm strength in short stints. I think he's a number two, number three, somewhere in that range, but putting a, a ceiling on it is really difficult these days with the way uh, clubs and we talked about Cleveland, Houston's done mm-hmm. it, the Dodgers have done it a little bit. And Seattle's, you know, they're dabbling into that. There's some things going on down in the minor leagues that have never happened in this organization. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing the results that we're seeing at this particular point. So I like Gilbert as a two. I like Kirby as a two on the upside. But I wouldn't rule out the one. If you told me to put percentages on it, it would be small. But I'm never going to put 0% on a kid with that kind of stuff, with four pitches, with that body, um, with this organization. You know, 10 years ago, Gilbert comes up, and I'm like, I guess he is what he is because – Guys don't really change in the minors. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different story in Major League Baseball now, including here in Seattle. Church, this has been great. Thank yeah, you so has. much. Thank now, you. tell people you're a great follow on Twitter, obviously. Your work's great. Tell people where they can find you everywhere. Uh, at Prospect Insider on Twitter. I don't really do the Instagram, Facebook thing a mm-hmm. whole lot, um, but at prospectinsider.com, Baseball Things Podcast. There it is. Thanks, Thanks again. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yeah. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.